Sound of Symphony. I'm Magnus Nordlander. I'm Tobias Nyholm. I'm Ryan Weaver. And I'm Jared Farish. And today we're going to be doing our, I think it's 13th episode this time? Uh, the, the episode numbering has gone on the fritz because of our lost episodes and <laughs> maybe things we like should that. number but, them uh, like a, like a we should do like a git shaw or something would that be clear yeah that 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 would be much better uh, <laughs> so since we switched to our new format um, we haven't been doing the regular segments of the show um, instead we were trying to uh, uh, do we usually before we did like the news segment and then we had the interview segment and then we had um, the Our hidden hidden gem section and things like that. Mm. Um, this episode we're doing just one of those things and that is the news section. So we're going to be talking about what's new in the symphony community and in the in the PHP community and of course. This being recorded in the in the beginning of June, uh, there's only one thing uh, on our mind, and that is, of course, Symphony 3.1, or as I like to call it, Th- Symphony for Workgroups. Uh, <laughs> well done. I, I follow you. You have to be a certain age, I think, for that one to work. You do. <laughs> yeah. I'll actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, when we're releasing this episode, it's uh, you, you'll find an image enclosed. Okay, good, good, good for our younger listeners who are like, "What?" Well, what may- is that? maybe for maybe for the younger listeners, at least it might it might uh, poke a few uh, poke a few memories around. <laughs> uh, so, Symphony Three Point One. This is the first uh, version of Symphony Three that has new features. Yeah, I like that uh, that, that lazy the, Symphony 3.0 version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't had any reason to upgrade until now. Yeah, that's actually true. And that's part of the reason. So we have we have some new stuff. What what are what are the new things in 3.1? There are plenty, but I would like to say before that since November or beginning of December until now, like this period has just been for bundles to get ready to be 3.0 compa- compatible. And to for me to get rid of all my deprecations in my code, that's pretty much what this the last six months have been about for for me as a non-core developer. Um, but new in Symphony, there has been a lot of blog posts the the latest month. Uh, in if I if I highlight the most interesting one is that the serializer has got some updates, the web profiler and the YAML component. Uh, I believe and PHP unit, and I believe that's the 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 four areas that it's most uh, has got a most set of features. Am I right? I think I think there's one other one. I actually had to check before. I don't know. I'm looking at the. What, uh, what are you looking at? I'm looking at the uh, Symphony 3.1 released page, and there's uh, a curated list, and the curated list has more than four. Well, of course, we have to console, web profiler, serializer, process. We have to, we have, we have to, we have to make it, YAML. you know, we have to list everything, right, to make it look good. But, but let's get down, you know, some of those, some of those, no one really is gonna <laughs> notice. It's just to make the list look long, right? That is why most pull requests are merged, right? Yeah, back back in the days when Apple used to re- release new OSs, and they always wanted to have a high number of new features. Yeah. Uh, so like 400 new features and one of the features was like well we have a new tab in the settings the settings <laughs> panel of the address book Amazing. that's a, a new feature sure <laughs> we opened this file and saved it yeah. new feature yeah yeah exactly yeah we added we added we added an empty line at the end of every file yeah it does mention two new components uh, in 3.1 and that's the uh, cache that follows psr6 and um, inflector. Yeah, I'm. I'm quite passionate ah. about the the new cache component. I know Nicholas Grek has done a lot of work on that one. I'm I'm doing the PHP cache together with uh, Aaron, and um, that's Aaron Share, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I th- I thought he was a household name. That's why I didn't say his last name. <laughs> uh, he's one of us. He's one of us Americans. One of the great <laughs> Symphony Americans. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. It feels kind of weird to do a compatible compatible library to the Symphony Core, a competing but, uh, competing library. Oh, sorry, competing library yeah. to Symphony Core, 
and um, I um, also compatible. The, it the, is compatible. You know, the, the, they're implementing yeah. the same interface, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for my poor. How do English. we do that in PHP? Hmm. What? That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're like, wait, hold on a second. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, wait, wait, wait. oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, actually, I am interested about that. Um, so, I think a, an interesting thing way to talk about the cache component is, hey, we have somebody here who's very, very uh, an expert in PSR six. So, why why are you creating a competing uh, PSR six uh, cache component? And real quick, also maybe give a tiny bit of background on PSR six, since for most developers, this will be the first time that they see that. The, yes. the P PSR6 is a PSR to hand handle cache, like no, no brainer. You have a cache pool and a cache item. And there's been a lot of discussions about this PSR. And the reason Aaron and me started doing this was because Doctrine wasn't doing it, Stash was, wasn't doing it quick enough, and pretty much no, no other were doing it. And Aaron had this fancy cache bundle already, so we like started to rewrite that to be PSR compatible. And then we're like, hey, why don't, why don't you uh, PSR6 cache implementation ourselves. So we worked a lot with that at the beginning of the year and we added like hierarchy cache tagging and namespaces and all these fancy features. And at the time we were the, the very fastest cache, the oh, very the very fastest PSR6 library that there was. And then the Symphony guys came along and like, we want to do a cache, PSR6 cache with no extra features. We don't want to do tagging and hierarchy and all of that, and just to be to be fast. So they are right now. They're a little bit faster than us, but that's probably going to change during the summer uh, because we're going to invest heavily in making our way way faster. Uh, and since it's cached, it's important that it's fast. And speaking about the PSR six, there's a new proposal in the fix that it's called Simple Cache. Yeah, which is basically. Which is basically the old doctrine cache. Yeah, it's it's, it, 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 it's the, yeah, Magnus. It's currently under vote and looks like it's going to pass the entrance vote to uh, yeah. the thing. So it's basically instead of having it's this, a, it's a, instead of having this complex PSR six where you have a cache pool and cache item, etc., etc., you just have a one class and you have a set and get and like delete function on it. Yeah. So it's very simple, very pure, but it doesn't have all the features like saving null values and stuff. So it's a, it's not a it's not it's not an extension of the interface or or it's it's two separate it would be two separate interfaces PSR six interface or I would have this other interface. Yes and yeah. no. There's going to be an adapter for a part of the the proposal for the the new PSR is to to create a a standardized adapter between a PSR six cache and the PSR simple cache. So if you're using, if you're already using a PSR6 cache, you will be able to provide the uh, the simple cache interface using just the the, the PSR uh, package. I, I'm I'm. It feels kind of weird that since we're doing PHP fig is doing standards, that we have two standards doing the same thing. Isn't yeah. that like counterproductive? Yes, and I, I do. I mean, I do. I I feel there is a quite a big difference in in the usage of, of the simple cache and the the PSR6 cache because the PSR6 cache handles basically all all conceivable uh, edge cases and that's uh, good not most not all okay well most conceivable edge cases at least it has yeah. a, it has a goal to handle all edge cases um, and that's great if you're creating an application or a library uh, wherein you will experience these edge cases, or if it's a library, you should always be taking care of edge cases, in my opinion. Um, but if you are creating a an application and you know that you're not reasonably going to run into any of these edge cases, PSR6 is a bit more complicated than, at least up front, than people are used to, um, so um, and it's and more complicated means more more complex and slower, yes. which is bad when you talk about cache. A cache should be fast like lightning. Yes, uh, so that I assume is the 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 impetus between uh, behind having uh, um, behind having the simple cache. Um, sh sure, and you you can argue that PSR six is not a 
good PSR and you can argue that it's the best PSR there is, but shouldn't shouldn't be shouldn't be a caching PSR that is some way in the middle that has its simple simple cache feature but also can handle edge caches like PSR six. Shouldn't be shouldn't it be some solution some but PSR that c could deal with that? Won't that be the result of once the uh, the simple cache? PSR is ratified, given that it contains an adapter to PSR six. Um, it it might, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I see your point because you could choose between the two, the two sides that that fit you. Kind of the simpler one and the more complex one. Yeah, so you so, should always you so, should always use as your cache implementation. You should always use a PSR six cache, but as a library consumer, you get to choose between the. The, uh, the 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 simple API or the handle all edge cases API. That makes sense. So so on that topic, like what is what is all this PSR six and Symphony cache and uh, uh, well, I'm gonna start calling it the Tobias cache, even though that's not fair. <laughs> um, what does this all mean for the end end developer? Why why should they care and how is it gonna help them? What does it mean for the end developer? Uh, it, it first of all, it means that you don't have to rely on Doctrine Cache, which has been like the the standard caching library. Uh, but for the end developer, pr pretty much, uh, it's, it sounds weird to say nothing. But I mean, you you, you just <laughs> switch, you just throw up doc Doctrine and put in something else, and it's way easier now to integrate, uh, to to have different cache and different cache. Uh, Storing implementations with Symfony, yeah. since everything that's using caching Symfony 3.1 is using the PSR6. Yeah. So it, you should now you don't have to use ugly hacks to throw out the uh, the serialization cache or the whatever cache is simply used internally. So, so yeah. So if I were caching, if I were using cache inside of Symfony, I could of course use Symfony's new cache components, or I could I could use something else easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I guess also, as I think about this, you know, the benefit might be even a little bit more long term in that libraries today, like if I create a library today and I say, you know what, somebody might want to cache this result that I, I will ha I will have to leave that up to the user or I would have needed to leave that up to the user. Uh, they'll have to use composition or something to basically use my library and cache the results. But now that there's a cache interface, uh, ideally we would see more libraries making caching an option, saying, hey, you can use my library. Yep. And if you want to do caching, I've already taken care of it. You just need to hook up whatever cache library you want. Just kind of tell me about it, and yeah. I'll take care of all the, the ugly yeah. details. So that's, no. actually, that's actually a really important part. I, um, I, I've done some work on... Um, on a uh, the Stormpath PHP SDK, and that uses caching, and so so what they had to do before is they had to create their own caching implementation because there was no standardized way of handling caching, and so so what so what I did is I I uh, I replaced that with using a PSR six cache, and it doesn't change anything from the for for the average library consumer. It just gives you the ability. To instead of instead of have, having the library configure caching for you, you can just pass along your default cache, and and handle caching yourself. So it it's it's really if you if you've been been handling if you're a library developer, PSR six is great. Uh, and if you are in a use case where you need to do caching. PSR six is going to be great because library developers will be empowered by it. So uh, yeah, but isn't that the, also the argument for all standards? It is. If you have a standard about something, it's, it gets way easier in in the ways we just discussed. Yeah. Yes, and and actually to that point, uh, not to go too too far down there, I think that's one of the things when you look at a PSR, you, that's the question to ask. You're like, does this have an interoperability use case? And uh, I think as far as code goes, um, that's why the logger interface makes so much sense. And, and cache interface, whether or not you agree with its implementation, makes a lot of sense for this exact reason. Yeah. So the PHP fig guys does a really good job. Yeah, despite uh, all the... I like the, the end of that. Despite the recent drama, I would say that the PHP fig does an excellent job, in fact. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. Uh, all right, so we have, uh, we have the new cache interface. 
Um, we have the inf uh, sorry cache components in Symphony 3.1. We have the inflector components. I looked at that a little bit. I think it's more of I think it's technically a new component. Yeah. Uh, well, I know it's technically a new component, but I think it's almost a single class little... component. <laughs> yeah, I think if I remember correctly, what happened was some there was like component A was dependent on component B. And component B was kind of big, but component A was only using this inflector spot thing. So they extracted it from component B yeah. so that component A could have less dependency. So it's like it's like cool, but really what's going on there, I think, is that, that there's one component or maybe a couple components yeah. that are a little more decoupled now. Yeah. Um, and infle inflection, if you don't know, that's that's kind of general term given to where you kind of pluralize strings and do things like that. It's a little string manipulation. Doctrine has an inflector. Inflector is kind of all over the place. Yeah. So um, that kind of, that's those are the two new components, um, and then yeah, like after that, uh, you know, Symphony three point one. There's not there's not like a, 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 a earth shattering new feature, is there? No, but it's the features I really like the most is the the in the profiler in the, in the web tool profiler. And you talked a lot about developer experience before, Ryan, and this is. This is things that feels like, oh, this is great. No, I didn't. But I, you didn't quite miss it before. But when you see the new features, you're like, oh, this. Why hasn't this been around always? Like in in the um, in the security section, you can now see all your is granted calls and see if they pass or not. And oh yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. A, that's just a like, aha, that's great. Like that you didn't miss it, but you really like it when you see it. Yeah. Right. And also, you see how many errors you silenced, and you can easily see if the current request was forwarded or redirected from somewhere. So it's a lot of these small, nice features that would really make the developing experience better and easier. Yeah, I think I think um, I'm glad you brought that up because that the security one in particular, showing the result of your your is granted calls, your voters. Um, Especially because voters are just such a good part of Symphony's security components. Yeah. Uh, to be able to see those in the web debug toolbar, the profiler, uh, it's going to help people debug it, but also kind of like what you said, Tobias. Like sometimes, sometimes you don't know a feature exists. It'll actually help the voters get more uh, visibility because people will be like, what is, what is this thing? What else can I do here? Um, I have the feeling that you really love voters, Ryan. I really love voters. Can we talk about voters? He votes Please. for voters. We can talk about voters short, for a short side on voters. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> it's great. No, I have nothing to say about voters other than you should use them. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google Symphony voters. Um, and then, and then, like all cool features, once you know about voters, um, all you have to do next is find a problem to solve with that solution. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is how I felt when I saw Symphony's console progress bar the first time. Yeah. I said, oh my God, I need to find some long running process that this I can is, add a progress. I now to. have a golden hammer. I need to find a nail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sure the Northwind database can help. <laughs> so I think the profiler in general, especially in, as we go more towards, uh, you know, doing more and more things in the APIs, is one of the features that people um, underutilize. And so this is my kind of advertisement for that you know even if you have an ajax call or an api call which is of course is the exact same thing your profiler is running so when your api call explodes or your ajax call explodes um you can find the profiler for that and one of the tabs in the profiler which i for a long time thought was completely worthless is the exception tab so let's say i make an api call it explodes you can go to whatever your web server is slash underscore profiler it will show you a list of all the recent requests, and you'll see the request on there for the 500 error. Click on that, go to the exception tab, and you're seeing your big, beautiful HTML exception there, um, which so you can actually read it and look at the stack trace instead of, you know, I don't know, looking at a bunch of HTML in your terminal or something like that. Yeah, thank you. I actually didn't know about that, uh, that you can go to you can go to use the microservice or your API. API. I n never had a thought. That, that's great. That's great. Yes, see, mission accomplished. Yeah, and yeah. that's tell the world. actually one of the things I, I've written my fair share of bundles, integrating libraries for various clients and various projects. N don't forget to write your uh, your uh, integration with the profiler, or or you'll regret it, because it's such a useful tool for basically anything. 
you you always want to integrate with the profiler. That's uh, you mean like adding your own little icon on the bottom or something? Uh, I've well, that is of course slightly useful. I I find that that uh, the most important part is just adding it to the main profiler but having in the little icon in the uh, in the toolbar that's that's at least good for posterity uh, yeah. I always I always struggle to find the metric to put there though that's uh, <laughs> that's the difficult it's because part. you don't do that much important stuff like <laughs> catching or HTTP calls <laughs> HTTP request uh, but I've seen people adding a lot of uh, domain logic in there yeah, like 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 logic for the own app, adding in the web profiler, and like I think that's a great use of it. It sure is. It sure is. And I got I'm impressed when I was yeah, this guy was showing off pretty much, and I was impressed at how much things he added to the toolbar, which makes his life easier in, in that in that company. Yeah. So what was what was a good example? Do you remember something specifically? I'd love, I'd yeah, love he, to know. He 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 worked a lot of with partlets, which is pretty much is I requests. And for okay. all for all those requests, he has uh, a special page in the toolbar, and he sh he saw how many he was using, and he saw the results and how they usually utilize the resources and which which requests they made and which database queries they made, and he had it in a, in a fancy displayed way. So it's um, that's pretty much all I remember. I also I only remember that I was very impressed by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, it's a, one of those investments, right? It's almost yeah. Uh, yeah. Investments in the future for help help yourself debug. Yeah, um, pretty much. Um, and while that's actually an interesting, uh, I mean, that writing your own data collectors and uh, that entire spiel, that could probably be made easier. That should possibly be something to look into. What? Because <laughs> you do need to. It, there's multiple uh, classes needed, and yeah. Yeah. Wow, well, sounds sounds like a pull request to me. It does, it <laughs> does, doesn't it? No, I actually haven't. I think you you definitely have more experience writing data collectors than I have, so I can't even remember what the steps are. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know if we need to go through the steps, but basically, the the thing is, you you need to you need to have a class that is serializable because of course everything in the data collector is serialized in a SQLite database. So mm -hmm. basically, you need to make sure your domain classes are recording whatever events you're using. You have a collector class which takes those those events and summarizes them into that serializable class, which is then stored into the into the SQLite database. And then you have a Twig template where you pull out data from that serializable class. So there's like four different moving parts of this, and that's. That could probably be made easier. Okay, yeah. So I got you. The old, the old simple in a some sense uh, do X, Y, Z, and A, B, C, but not, yeah. not as easy as it could be. Exactly. Uh, speaking about serialized classes, uh, Symfony's serialized components got some updates. They have now a, a date URI normalizer and a date time normalizer. Yeah. And it. What what are you okay before I re reveal my thoughts? What are your thoughts about the serializer's component in in Symfony? I I go I go back and forth still between that and JMS serializer. Yeah. And, and how's that? Um, the JMS serializer is great because it has all of the like a lot more power as far as the annotations go. Uh, it's also basically abandoned, <laughs> so it's like yay new project. <laughs> Choose an abandoned library. Yeah. Um, the the Symphony serializer has a lot less options. Um, however, I I tend so uh, this is like Ryan's moving philosophy. So I'd love to know what other people are thinking as well. Um, once upon a time, I would say I have my entity, and if I need to serialize it, and I need my serialization to look a bit different than my entity then I'll use the JMS serialization annotations to, to kind of expose this property, but hide that one, maybe change the name of this one, that kind of stuff. So my, my current uh, philosophy, uh, which works so good with the Symphony serializer, because it's kind of less flexible, is that basically if you need a, if you need a, a JSON uh, structure, then, and it doesn't look like your entity, then you would create a new model class and you would just kind of manually take your entity, put the data into your model class, and then serialize that model class. So the Symphony serializer does a really, really good job. It just, by default, it just serializes all of your 
getter methods or getter slash iser methods. Basically, your getter methods. It looks at a class as this has five getter methods. So those are going to be your five properties. And uh, it does a really good job with that. So but I can't decide which one I like better. I have a completely opposite uh, idea here. I never used the get set normalizer in the serializer component. And the way I look at it, the JMS serializer is the simple to use tool because you can just use your annotations and you can do virtual properties and it's it's easy to get it's easy to use and it's easy to get to get started with whereas the serializer component is the precision tool where you do need to write a lot of boilerplate code for your normalizers but you get your objects to look exactly the way you, your object graph to look exactly the way you want it to Whereas if you're if you want to do some advanced custom serialization in JMS serializer, you have to implement handlers, and sometimes if you need to do multiple representations, using handlers can be quite inflexible. So so from my point of view, never using the get set normalizer. Uh, the Symphony serializer is the precision tool, whereas the JMS serializer is the one I would prefer to use for normal locations because it's so so much simpler than just uh, with just using the annotations. It's uh, simpler for you to program against if you already know it, but is it necessarily a better tool for the average Symphony developer? Than, than doing something you know writing explicit code to say this is what this is what I'm doing like are you is it possible for somebody that isn't as familiar with the JMS serializer to expose something that they don't realize that they're exposing um, I would say that for well no, I think it's it's easier to use Well, uh, by by easier, you mean you're you're writing less code? Yeah, I, I I do mean writing writing less boilerplate code. That's what I'm what I'm meaning to basically by easier to use. So I would say there's probably a there's probably a, a three stages here for the absolute simplest classes where basically your class is exactly like the representation that you want to 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 show in, in your serialization. I I would agree with Ryan that the get set normalizer makes the serializer component easier to use there. Um, but it's not difficult to do that in JMS Serializer either. Uh, no, it's not. And for, for slightly more advanced use cases where you have uh, virtual properties, especially for for um, where you want to have virtual properties or you want to serialize to XML because you need namespaces or whatnot, the, the JMS Serializer is much easier to work with. Um, and then, then again, if you one step ahead of that, if you need to do different representations, again the ser the symphony serializer is slightly easier to work with. Um, so I I basically feel that there's a lack of a serializer library to rule them all. Um, yeah, and say yeah, because that, that doesn't me as a end developer there. If I don't have a lot of experience with the serializer, I now do not know what to do. <laughs> But I, I, but I agree with you. I can't yeah. recommend one of the and, and other. That's, and that's kind of my point. I mean, my point is if, if, if you're new to Symphony, which one are you going to recommend? Are you going to recommend the one that's more powerful, but maybe is doing things that people don't realize and it's better for them to write code that has to fit into a kind of a narrow, precise window? Or say, hey, you know, use this, but is it possible that they're doing something they don't realize? I would, I would still subtly recommend the JMS serializer for two reasons. One is that uh, it has a lot more history, so that's not really fair. But as far as Stack Overflow goes, you're going to find more stuff. Um, and the mm -hmm. second reason um, is basically the, you know, with beginners, there's for most of the time with beginners, you're still you're still trying to sell them on the tool a little bit. Uh, and yeah. JMS just sells a lot better because, you know, hey, hey, I have this entity. It's it's perfect. It looks just like how I want my JSON to look. Yeah. Um, if I could just rename this one property, 
uh, you know, to be slightly different on my JSON, that would be great. And uh, with the Symphony Serializer, the answer, as far as I know, is, uh, okay, great, create a whole new class and then, you know, move all the data over there. Whereas yeah. JMS Serializer says, okay, just, just add this one little annotation above that one property and you're good to go. Yeah. So I think, you know, I feel like we're still missing some, maybe a little bit of pizzazz with the Symphony Serializer to really uh, to really make it sexy for all the users. Yeah, and but then again, if you're looking at, for example, if you're looking for new users, the documentation for JMS Serializer is definitely not up to Symphony standards. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the not, documentation is well, well pretty. It's it's not it's not very well structured, so it's it, I, um, it's difficult to get started with for that reason. I I, I believe I I do agree with all your arguments, but I don't feel like I can agree with your conclusion. We don't need a new library that rule them all. I, I, I believe that the JMS is the easiest one to use, and the Symphony one is the more flexible and more precise and more hardcore one. Uh, what do you think about adding a new library on top of Symphony Serializer to making that easier to use? I don't think it would be I've, possible to do that. Well, well, I, I think, I, I think that's the right that idea. Attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's right. He's right. If it is possible, it's not going to happen with that attitude, Magnus. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, knowing the internals of both components, of both the the serializer component and the uh, and the Jamus serializer, it's quite different systems, and they're different for good reasons. No, no. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't merge them naturally, but you should no. add something on top of the Symphony serializer to make it as easy to use as the JMS ones. Yeah. Yeah, like 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 I, yeah. I would be I would love if we had um, annotations parsing. In yeah, the, a couple uh, annotations. Sure. There's actually we, yeah. there, there is one annotation. There's the the groups annotation, which is actually kind of a slightly more confusing way to do the uh, exclusion policy exposed stuff. Um, but like yeah. the virtual property, well, I don't know, the virtual property serialized name. Um, those are basically the two big two big ones I use, and it seems like those would be pretty easy to add to the serializer. Yeah, uh, it might be worth digging into that. Sounds like the Ryan Weaver serializers. <laughs> so, kind of cool. yeah. We're, we're going to name all of these I, libraries after ourselves. At least on this podcast. Uh, we ought to have some libraries called the SOS <laughs> library. That's true. That's true. So, so uh, the serializer component, that that's definitely a, a, a heated ongoing debate then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, to me, this goes back to like, 10, 12 years ago, whenever, um, whenever you had a lot of people that were getting into uh, PHP and, and also JavaScript, and like JavaScript allowed you to get away with a lot more hijinks than like PHP did, and there was this argument that you need to learn how to do it the right way, um, right? You, you need to learn how to you know have semicolons at the end of your your statements and things like that, and uh, so. You know, is it better in the long run for somebody to learn how to use this, the Symphony serializer uh, because they're actually learning how to do it the right way and then graduate to JMS as opposed to um, learning the easy way and not really understanding what's going on and and possibly doing things that they don't realize that they're doing. Um, that was kind of my point um, from from a somebody coming into Symphony. Is it better to kind of struggle through that early on? Than, you know, uh, strap a cannon to their shoulder and think that they're getting everything that they're getting, and they're actually, you know, doing damage to stuff they don't realize that they're doing, yeah. um, or, or even know how to do it on their own once they have to use the Symphony serializer. Yeah. Um, I think there's so a that, there's a good point to what you're saying. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I think I do think, however, that because of the internal differences and in how Jameis serializer works from the Symphony serializer. It's it's partly not applicable, but the but, but but yeah, from 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 a newcomer perspective, there there's yeah there's some truth in what you're saying. But I think there I think there are two tools for the most part. There there are two both two very good tools to solve the same problem. You know, if you yeah. look if yeah. you look at history. The JMS serializer may have become a Symphony component, but it has the wrong license. So the Symphony serializer, mm. um, for large part, is the answer to we don't have a library with the proper MIT license that we can use. Um, 
We can't reuse anything from the other library because it has the wrong license. So we're going to have to. Is it Apache licensed or what's the? It, it, it is Apache. Yep. Jonas oh. Schmidt's using Apache license. Whoops. Why doesn't he just relicense? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it'd take a little bit of work. Um, and it, it's fairly abandoned. Like I said, he doesn't barely work on the library anyways. It's a great library. I don't want to throw uh, yeah. him under the bus for it. And we're all busy. But um, yeah, that was that, that is one, it, it, one it, major problem. Yeah, it does have 211 open issues and 126 open pull requests. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but no, that's that's not a lot. I I took over his translations uh, bundle, <laughs> yeah. and and we the last four months we've been working uh, working away through this, all these pull requests and uh, issues. I mean, so, so we almost to zero now. Almost, it's like thirty of each left. Wow! So it's it's not impossible. Well, congratulations. That's so that's really just, awesome. But it, but you guys have done some work to do it. Yeah, sure. Naturally, it was it was three of, three of mm -hmm. us that's done some major work. Which uh, what's the license on that library? It's still Apache. It's still Apache. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wondering about that. I thought, yeah, I think I thought all of us were Apache. Yeah. So this is a this is a note to everybody out there. If you want to eventually have your yeah, please stick to MIT, please. <laughs> yes. That's right. If you if you eventually want your library to be acquired by Symphony and earn all of the zero dollars that that earns you, uh, no, licensed with MIT. I think there's a I think there's a good point in in using whatever the if you're if you're if you're writing, so if you're using Symphony as an ecosystem, and the Symphony ecosystem is mostly using MIT license, if you're doing an open source component, you probably should stick to the same license as the rest of the ecosystem. Is is this license discussion interesting? Should we have a seg on only licenses? Talk about the differences between licenses. Uh, we could do an entire episode on licenses. I think. Yeah, but yeah that, that's that... that's really a nerd episode. I don't know, I think I'll have to have my attorney on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can leave well, licenses those... licenses here for now. <laughs> okay. Th those those five people that listen to would listen to that episode would love it though. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm hey, one of that them. would probably be that would be probably the most popular one because there is not a single developer in this world that really understands licenses. <laughs> the MIT That's license true. is very understandable. I gotta gotta hand it to it. It's all the other ones. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So, uh, should, so should anyway, move on? yeah, let's let's move on. So, so um, is that basically what we have for Symphony three point one? There was some 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 additions in the YAML component, or or what's the uh, maybe maybe we should perhaps move on to um, to to uh, another up and coming release, PHP seven point one. Uh, it's currently in the alpha one stage, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean. How many of you guys are using PHP 7.0 in production? I am. I'm still on 6. <laughs> oh, you're still on 6, yeah. Somebody had to say it. I'm on, I'm on 6.1. Are you certified? Are you certified with 6? <laughs> of course, yeah. When, I am. Production I, without getting that. Yeah. yeah I, I bought the teacher from Phil Sturgeon. <laughs> certified nice. PHP 6 developer, yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm <laughs> still on 5 on my production sites, so I, I'm not on 7 yet. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I use yeah, 7. I'm, we're on 5.4. But in 7.1, <laughs> Magnus, what what's what the new features that we could look forward to? Yeah, so yeah, let, let's, me. Let, let's, let, let me tell you, the uh, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with PHP versions, the big, the, the big thing from my perspective for PHP 7.0 was getting um, static, um, no, sorry. Uh, scalar type hints. Yeah, it was getting scalar type hints and return type hints. Um, those... Type hints have now been greatly improved upon in PHP 7.1. So you oh. have the nullable types, allowing you to specify that you may pass null if you want to. Um, you have the uh, void return type. So 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 those two those two things basically makes the type hinting much better there's also some i'm not sure if it's going to be be able to um to get in uh 7.1 but there's the the union types uh which would be really good and there's also been a lot of discussion on how to type uh, callables but there hasn't been a proposal oh, so no, no proposal on the callables then none none that's passed 
There have, there's been several proposals on, on how to do it, but none of them have passed. Okay, so if I want to, uh, if I'm taking a callable and as an argument or returning a callable, I would still not type that. No, there's no way currently for you to type that. Okay. And what about the union thing? What is what is that? So a union type would be saying that this argument, for example, accepts either an int or a, um, a date-time object. Oh, I like that. That's very PHP, isn't it? It, it is. You know, give me, right. give me a, yeah, give me yeah. a string or maybe an object. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's some use cases where it's obviously great. So where you would accept, for example, either an array or a traversable. Ah. Uh, because what you're intending to do is traverse it, because arrays are not traversables. So yeah, but okay, it's just a patch a, a former error. Arrays should be traversable because you can traverse them. Yeah. But so it's it's no it's no real use case. It's just to well, fix, there is there is a real well, there there is a real use case. For example, you could accept either what? a Unix timestamp or a date time. Yeah, that's a, a yeah, that's a, use that's case. a good example. You know, just saying, hey, you know, which one are you going to pass in? Are you going to are you going because it's I mean that's something I've done before where, you know, you don't know which one is going to be the the one that's going to come in, so you accept either one or the other. Yeah. Um, daytime object or a uh, you know integer okay <clears throat> i challenge you to come up with another example uh there's actually examples in the uh, in the rfc so uh <laughs> yeah okay please read another one i will shoot it down that's the only example there is that's the only good i like this <laughs> um Gunslinger to box. Yeah. <laughs> so an another use case would be for return return types for example if you're uh, if your um, method returns either a uh, a string or a um, a number, no, that, that that's not valid. I mean, should why would it, what's the use case? Why would everyone want to have that? Either return a number or a, a string. Bec if you want static typing, you should define your return types, not. To define them, uh, define a subset of sub. Yeah, uh, of the, the, the best. The, I, I do realize that the best example there is returning either null or or your object, but that's already covered by I the nullable types. Was... Yeah, nullable types. Ah, okay, nullable okay. types handle that. So that's already that's already okay, in okay. seven point one. Um, so yeah, but there there are some use cases. Uh, <laughs> Please tell me one then. I've already told you two <laughs> two excellent use cases here. It's uh, <laughs> arrays and traversables and uh, and um, uh, times. That's that's. Yeah. Uh, you should fix arrays instead. Streams or strings. It's a good one. You sh should always use streams. Okay. You should always uh, use streams so instead of use, strings. Though. No, yeah. <laughs> surely if, if you not. Have use case, no, yeah, <laughs> if you true. have a use case, they're saying, should I have a stream or a string? You should have a stream. If if you're unsure, use a, a, a stream. I would hard, I would wholly disagree with that. <laughs> can we can we talk it, about a? Uh, I have a feature request for PHP seven right now, please, uh, which is just totally absurd. I want I, I want to be able to var dump a stream and see and see something. Uh, yeah, I realize that makes no sense, but I see that all the time. Yeah. People var dump streams and it's empty and they'd have no. They're like, oh, there's no content there. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's actually useful. that's actually if you if you're looking at a PHP native stream, those are horrible in that regard, and there's not that much to do about it. If you have a stream implementation, you should be implementing the underscore underscore debug info method, which allows oh, you to customize what you see in Vardump, um, and that's nice. a, that's a feature of PHP seven. Cool. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a few of the things that have that, that are in PHP seven point one. Then there's uh, a voting currently going on on typed properties. <laughs> uh, so, typed properties is basically the um, the possibility to say that a particular property of an object has to have a given type. And I love this idea because it's great and it will basically get rid of a, many of the use cases for just simple getters and setters. Because how how often don't you just write a getter and a setter only to enforce types? 
Um, yeah. Hold on, hold on. One, one caveat to that, which I want to make this comment because I, I think this doesn't solve this problem, but I wanted to know if it does. Um, I also write getters and setters. Maybe, maybe this is me being too silly, but because I feel like maybe in the future I will want to do some mutation on those. Yeah, that depends on which class. If you're doing like a data transfer object, I would prefer not to do getters and setters. But if you're doing something more... If you're doing something more, 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 should I say, persistent or something like that, I don't mm-hmm. feel that getters and setters add any value. And even if, and and, and even in that case, getters and setters aren't really behaviors of your object. So I would, th- I think it's not ideal even in that case. Uh, this actually, yeah, yes, I, I know we, we actually had. If you want to go back in the podcast archives, uh, when we, in the episode we talked with Casper Gunia, uh, we talked about getters and setters, and and uh, so I I, th- I feel that that getters and setters are most apt to use on like data transfer objects, and for those I think type properties would be a, a good replacement for getters and setters. Okay. So, so your point is, yeah, hey, hey, this this typed properties would allow you, would allow you to have public properties and still type. Yeah, them. exactly. But there are some implementation details in the proposal, from what I've heard, that makes me weary. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about them to really go into it. But it does. From what I heard, there's some troubles with using the magic getter. And there's some troubles with uh, uh, the reference mechanics, from what I understand. I, I know Marco Pivetta or Cremius was writing about that, so I'll need to look mm-hmm. more closely into it. Not that I'm, I actually have a vote in this case, but I, I just want to know what's going on. Magnus, you have my vote. <laughs> Sadly, that, that does means. not help. That, that doesn't help when when, when you need PHP uh, PHP Wiki Karma to vote. <laughs> okay, okay, not helpful. Noted. Uh, I, I, since yeah. we're since we're talking to our PHP seven uh, core uh, oracle here, uh, I, I have another question, just randomly on getters and setters. Has there ever been? Because I don't follow the core at all, so sh- shame on me. And so I, I'm an outsider. Um, has there ever been a RFC on um, what would you call them? Basically, implied getters and setters. You know, where you yes, can basically have uh, yes. a property. Okay. Yes, properties, uh, like like properties in in Java or C sharp or whatever. Um, back yeah, many yeah. years ago, this is one of my my great. Uh, I've talked about this many times on this podcast. Oh, okay, okay uh, I missed it then. I don't remember. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a shame that there's we, we don't have it. We really, really should have it. There was a vote many years ago, which failed basically on on um, technical. Uh, details because the implementation was not up to scratch from what I understand Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course it should fail if the implementation is not up to scratch Mm -hmm. Um, but there hasn't been another proposal since and Mm -hmm. I'm very sad about that I really really want to get this it does need a champion so for people that don't know in in some other languages like c sharp you can basically have a property like a private property like we, we do today and then through a mechanism which would differ yeah. based on the language basically say this property called first name it has an implied getter and setter so i can now call get first name and set first name even though those methods don't exist oh, yeah. and uh and and so kind of solves my thing where it's like you can just just yeah. create the pro- if we have these you could just create the property and uh and then run around calling get first name set first name um without having the getters and setters so obviously in the doctrine world right like we we you know i generate my getters and setters but but even if I generate that, we have a lot of getters and setters. And, and yeah, yeah. Well, I'm with you, Magnus. Wouldn't it be nice if those didn't exist? Yeah. So, and let me put it this way. Even JavaScript has this now. JavaScript oh, really? has <laughs> this. It's, it is well, that time for PHP to have, have it. In like six months. It's is time. That, <laughs> is, it, is that an ES6 or ES2015, whatever you want to call it? It's actually, it's, it's both in ECMAScript 6 and it's, it actually was introduced earlier in all major browsers, but with a different mechanism of defining these, uh, uh, the, the, the property handlers. Um, Fascinating. But, but even, even JavaScript has it. Uh, we can't, we can't lag behind JavaScript. Isn't, isn't JavaScript moving faster than PHP at this point, though? 
I don't care. We in what direction? Not, we should not be. Yeah. In every direction. We should not be lagging behind JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As far as like uh, like like object oriented features, lots of great things about yeah. JavaScript, but they're just now getting, you know, somewhat proper classes and all that. So yeah, we're, yeah. in that respect, we're we're sort of light years ahead of them as are most languages. Yeah. All right. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm totally unqualified to help with this problem, other than other than tweet after this and and yeah. complain and try to inspire a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a C developer either, so that's that. I think is a problem with the PHP, not not the PHP community, but it's a it's it's one of the um, what's the uh, what's the word? One of the the generational problems. One of the uh, how to oh. how to get new developers into yeah. core because it's such a different way of developing it's it's oh sorry it's an existential problem for php that php developers are unable to help with php core because it's and, so and, different and then, and then the other side how many core developers running their own app running their own product building their own websites yeah that's that's also yeah that's another that's the other side of that coin the the people who are developing php core aren't necessarily parts of the uh the the uh what i like to call the modern php community true they're part of the c community yeah and they tend to have some differences of opinions with me um. <laughs> is is that is that unique to is that unique to PHP or uh, like what what about other languages? <laughs> no, I think everybody so, disagrees about yeah. what about other point. people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 not it's not necessarily unique. So for example, in in Ruby, Ruby is also written in C, so that also requires some specialized knowledge to to do changes to. But PHP is unique in that a lot of the standard library is also written in C. Whereas in, for example, Ruby or Python, they tend to write as much of that as possible in their respective language. Yeah. So, whereas in PHP, it's usually just a C extension. And that really cuts of all insight for PHP developers into what's going on. Yeah, true, and sure, that, that is a problem. Yeah. Is that is that something that, that uh, I mean? Because basically, you're saying that most of the developers who are doing PHP these days learn PHP probably initially and never learned any other language. But isn't that kind of changing with the? I mean, at least changed in terms of like Facebook and places like that, where they've hired like actual like you know university educated engineers. Yeah, and, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that it's. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that PHP developers never learn other languages, but on the list of languages to learn for a PHP developer, I think that C, unless you already know it, does not make the top of that list. Well, that, well that's not what I'm saying. Other languages. I'm not saying in in terms of the whole group. I'm I'm, I'm saying in terms of who's working on the languages. Um, you know, if if there's these big software companies now that are, that are doing that, they're eventually going to push the development in the direction that they want it to. And so, you know, Facebook is is the most obvious one. Um, that, well, that, well, well that let's I can let's, think let's of. be let's be perfectly clear here. When we say Facebook in this case, mm -hmm. in practice, we're talking about Sarah Goleman because mm -hmm. she's the one who's <laughs> been doing changes to PHP core on behalf of Facebook and now she's actually not even with Facebook anymore. Yeah, I was about to yeah, ask yeah, but that, yeah. the the hack guys a lot of have done a lot of changes for PHP as well. Yes, that's true, but Sarah Goldman's been involved with hack as well. Sure, I, I, sure, but she wasn't alone in that project. No, I think I, I think that that uh, and if we're looking at like MongoDB which has their own extension, that's Derek Rethens. He's uh, uh, who who's been been doing a lot of the a uh, lot of the others uh, three people there so now i sh really shouldn't be i really should mention all of them not to forget anyone uh but there's derek who's he's well known in the php community because he wrote x debug yeah he's uh, also he's also delightful <laughs> that's, very nice that's guy true. <laughs> had a, i've had a beer with uh, him. there's there's Jeremy Mikola, who's been learning to do a extensions from uh, from the other two guys and then there's hannes Hannah, Hannes Magnuson. Uh, so those are the, those are the um, the three people within MongoDB at least uh, that that do core work, and it's usually what you'll find is that when companies invest in core or extensions, uh, they tend to use people already doing core or extensions. Uh, 
uh-huh. like Symf- Symphony uh, Sensio Labs. Sorry, um, I think have uh, did a, a few years ago at least they employed Julian Pauli. Yeah, I think was they already do. doing extensions work. Yeah, who yeah. was already doing extensions work and basically got got hired for it. That's basically how it tends to to be that the already the the companies interested in doing core or extensions hire someone who already does core or extensions. Yeah, which is good. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good. It's 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 good if you're looking for a job. Well, um, also, I, I mean, think... it, it it keeps those people working on core and of and, course, of you course. know, keeping that. You know, we don't want everybody to eventually you know drop off because they can't afford to do it for free. Sure, um, sure. But it does, it, it, it does... Um, what you're saying is they're not necessarily bringing in new people exactly. that would have it's new ideas. And, yeah. And and it's not like, it's not necessarily that they're training people to start working with Core. I, I think that's much... Uh, like MongoDB does that with, with Jeremy. He, he used to be only a PHP developer, and now he, he works with the MongoDB extension and... He actually worked on one of the uh, the proposals for PHP 7.1 as well with the implementation on that. Um, so so it does happen in some ex- to some extent, but not to the extent that I think you might be thinking it work. Uh, it's being done. Yeah, I was thinking there was definitely more um, more interest in it from companies that because it, it 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 seems like that there would be more interest in companies that were relying on you know if they're writing all their code and. PHP, you would think that there'd be more of an interest in, in keeping it going, but I guess maybe that's not always the case, you know. Uh, C Sharp is primarily developed by internal Microsoft staff, yeah. um, so it makes sense that there's not necessarily a whole lot of development by people who are, you know, interested in it because their company is telling them that they need to be interested in it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, does that mean that P- that PHP is eventually going to stagnate because there's just not a lot I of hope not, crossover? But, uh, I hope not, but I think that is an issue that needs to that the entire PHP community needs to uh, to take seriously. And of course, there are there are uh, young uh, sh- how should I put it rising stars in the uh, in the uh, in the core community as well, like uh, Andrea Faults. Uh, who has done a lot more for PHP than many people, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and she's not she she's uh, she's actually not that well known I think outside of Core. Uh, Isn't but, she? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so either. Uh, I mean, because uh, okay, but, uh, she I doesn't go, her she doesn't go, for a while. Yeah, she doesn't go to that many conferences, for example. Uh, okay, okay. So she. Um, well, the work I've seen for her is that she's great and she does a lot. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, I so, can't, if I can't, so if you're paying attention, you know who she is. But if you're yeah looking for her at conferences, you may not run into her. No. Um, and I think that's that's a, a a good opportunity too. I don't think there's that much more to say about PHP seven other than it's coming out soon and it's going to be awesome. Um. PHP 7, 7.1. 7.1, yes. And and use that as an excuse to seg over into conferences. Yeah, next time we record a podcast is on the uh, on, on a conference. Uh, it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. It should. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, the last the last two conference recording has they ever been published? No. Oh. We have a horrible track record with. They were published recording. internally. Because we always, we always and take great. We, we always, uh, what's the English expression? Take water over our heads or something like that. Uh, get in huh? over our heads. It, it depends. When you- get in over our heads. Yes, the uh, the Swedish expression is to take water <laughs> over your heads. Uh, but but get in over. <laughs> like we always do. get in over <laughs> our heads with the uh, with the conference recordings and they're yeah. So so let's let's try to keep it simple for this one. I think. Okay, what what can we do? What can we do practically speaking? Because if you guys don't know, Magnus is is our editor. So when we when we do something wrong or we have some background noise, um, I don't suffer. Jared doesn't suffer. Tobias doesn't suffer. But Magnus does suffer. He bleeds for the podcast. Yeah. So uh, what can we do to make it better? Uh, so I think we should make sure to have a a set recording uh, set recording time and place, which will be sort of quiet. 
uh, and uh, we can certainly interview people from the conference, but we should m probably not just do that because those segments are heavier to to edit than um, than than us talking. So okay. so we need to plan more for for these uh, for these things. I think. So what what conference are we going to be recording at next? Well, we're going to be attending uh, Symphony Catalonia. I think was the. This is the the official name. Uh, I I know it mostly from the symphony .cat domain, which is very easy to remember. But um, which is Symphony Barcelona for us who doesn't can pronounce Catalonia. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that's in in the later half of July. Yeah. And it's gonna be some some great speakers. It's it's gonna almost be almost all fa famous ones. Yeah, it's gonna be such all, an it's awesome. It's gonna be all great speakers. I wasn't initially going to attend, but I gotta tell you, this is this is becoming such an awesome event. It, it's really looking to become one of the the big symphony events of the year. So I decided. And it's also that fun this... to go to. It's fun to go to a conference, a symphony conference, not uh, managed by Sensor Labs. Not no dis. I mean, Sensio Labs is great. <laughs> sure, but, sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting, definitely. Yeah, different vibe. Yeah. What's uh, the name of that? What's the name of this conference again for anyone listening? It's Symphony Catalonia 2016. All right. Yeah. So, um, um, but I mean, it really, it's really looking to be one of the symphony events of the year. Um, <laughs> so I decided that I have to go. Despite poor flight connections and um, uh, me not liking heat, uh, I'll just have to be there. Nice. If it's like 90 degrees there, and that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it's very likely. End of July, it'll be 110 here, I guarantee you. Yeah, so that's why I'm not in Texas in July. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you Swedes. Yeah. <laughs> That's too hot. So, 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 so Ryan, who, who's speaking there? Um, I don't remember. I have to look up the list. Last time I checked, uh, on I, I, we had to cut. I actually don't is, know who's speaking there off the top of my head. Is some someone from this podcast speaking there? Perhaps. Oh, me? Yeah, I'm speaking there. Yes, that's true. I, yes. I'm just one of the the speakers that will be speaking there because the lineup. Uh, check it out on their website, symphony.cat. Um, their lineup is really, yeah. really good. I, I think I think my picture on their website is like the eighth picture on there. They're they're trying to hide the fact that I'm coming. No, it's just seven seven more important people than you. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. We can actually read the list of speakers because it's. I think it's. I, I, they're at least only advertising eight speakers. So uh, it's it's uh, Matthias Nobuck. It's uh, Albert Casademont. It's you, Ryan, of course. Uh, it's Jeremy McCola. Uh, it's Pablo Godel, um, Benjamin Aberlai, uh, Michael Colm, and Bernard Schusek. And all of these people are major names in the in the symphony community. So, um, yeah, it's and it's definitely going to be a, a, a cool conference, I think. And also, we got to do a. Special episode. I think we're gonna do a very special recording there. We're gonna yes. record in Spanish. Yes. So uh, me hablo español and uh, queso. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Did you that say queso? Like a Texas accent. So, soy programador. Uh, yeah. So I can actually. I can actually. Yeah. Uh, That's Tex-Mex, man. That's I not know, Spanish. I know. When I'm speaking, when I'm speaking English and then switching to Spanish, you get that for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I only know a very little Spanish, and it's horrible. Uh, gotta, 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 I'm gotta be interesting. better at speaking. I'm actually better at speaking uh, speaking Texas Spanish than uh, than regular Spanish. So are, are we doing this in English and Spanish? What's the plan? Uh, so it's separate recordings, but yes, there will be a, a Spanish Sound of Symphony, uh, which I yes. assume we 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 haven't been talking to uh, to them about this, but I assume that uh, they'll be uh, be be uh, carrying on and, and doing a Spanish edition of, of, uh, of Sound of Symphony. Yeah, I, I I believe so. I believe so, and I I can naturally not attend because my my poor Spanish skills. Yeah, and I think that's 
That's also you, yeah, you, Magnus, and Jared. But right, ay Dios míos. <laughs> right, you speak some Spanish, don't you? I, I do speak some Spanish. Um, I'm gonna try to keep up. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so if you only speak a little bit of Spanish, you can probably understand my basic Spanish on that part of the podcast. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, but actually, it's not a part. Of, it's not a part of the podcast. It's it's just it's a separate recording. Um, but yes, it's um, it's gonna be very interesting to see. Uh, yeah, and it's gonna be awesome to see how that pans out. It's gonna yeah. be awesome to be there. I'm yeah. really looking forward to that conference. Yeah. And then, of course, if we are walking down the conference. Um, uh, the conference schedule, of course. At the time of recording, there's another conference that I wish I could have attended. It's the uh, PHP South Coast uh, in, in England, which also has a lot of a, a lot of big PHP names. Um, and uh, then, of course, there's the the event of the year in in in, in December. The maybe not even event, perhaps uh, perhaps event of the decade. Um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, Sim- SymphonyCon Berlin, the event of the dun dun dun. Maybe, maybe even event of the century. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's always. It's always difficult to yeah, tell. Maybe, maybe next uh, month. Maybe, maybe, maybe next month it'll be event of the century. Probably. Yeah. No. So we should try to. We should really try to sell them on that as a tagline. Yeah. You know. Oh, oh, they can even they can even quote us right. Sound of Symphony quote. Yeah. E- event Although, of the century. To to be fair, I did say that that symphony, the symphony con Paris, was also the event of the century, uh, and I was gonna say probably I, I also I think I said the event of the millennium as well about that. You month. did. I I, um, uh, I I I stand by that judgment at that time, but of course, since symphony con only gets better, uh, I I I. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's only fair that that Symphony Con Berlin is now event of the year, event of the decade. Um, you know, Magnus, this is why we're friends. Just your persistent yeah. <laughs> optimism. I love it. <laughs> no, but that's gonna be that's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great conference as well. Um, and that, that I mean that it's 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 Symphony Catalonia is. I would say more of a regional conference, perhaps, but Symphony Con is a big, the, the big, uh, the big global conference. So uh, I, I do hope to uh, to see lots of Symphony and PHP people there. Yep, amen. Uh, not necessarily just from from around Europe. So is this episode coming to an end? I I would say that this episode is indeed coming to an end. The show is produced by Magnus Nordlander, Tobias Nyholm, Ryan Weaver, and Jared Farish. Visit our website, soundofsymphony.com, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And thanks to our sponsors, Fervo, Happier, Camp University, and Dialogues Apps, Inc. Fervo is a symphony consulting business. Happier develops a platform for fair recruitment. Camp University provides symphony and PHP tutorials. And Dialogues Apps is a web application services company. Our music, Cool Intro and Cool Vibes, is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License, and thank you, Kevin. And Symphony is a registered trademark of Fabian Potencia in the European Union and other countries. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored by nor affiliated with Fabian Potencia. We're back next month with more Sound Symphony. Yeah! That's it. Yes! Exactly. Yes! (laughs) Should I do a straight one? (laughs) Nope. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs)